Howdy, everyone. Hi, guys. Welcome to the Spooky Soup Podcast. I'm Jesse. And I'm Tessa. Today is uh, today's a good day. It is a good day. It's raining out. It's raining. Very nice. It was uh, hailing as well. Oh, was it? It was. Big ones. I didn't ones. even get that on my way up. I hear you have a good story for me today. I do. Yeah. I have two spooky, they're both spooky, Reddit stories. Okay. And I'm pretty excited to tell you them. So. Yeah, me too. Let's do it. Guys, before we start our stories, please remember that you can check out our episodes on our YouTube channel, where if we post anything uh, like images or anything regarding our stories, that's where we'll, where we'll post them. So check us out there. And uh, okay, I'm ready to go. Do it or I will personally eat your brains. Ew. <laughs> this first story is by Reddit user Eloquent Ursula. And it is called New Cleaning Gig. I've known this couple in our town for many years. The wife, Tasha, is Slavic. And not to be stereotypical, she is quite intimidating in that tall, beautiful way. All hair and Pilates legs and jewelry. And the husband, Brian, is local. We were at high school together. He's in business, quite wealthy, living in a beautiful large house in one of the most desirable school districts of our town which is quite odd in itself. Because not having any children, why would they be paying such high property taxes for the privilege of being close to a school they don't use? I'm in catering myself. And I would see them at different events and they were always quite friendly. Brian is super nice and very good looking. And Tasha, well, I guess she made an effort to be nice. One time I had to drop off some stuff at their house for an event we were doing for one of Brian's businesses. She opened the door, and in response to my standard, How are you? She muttered, I'm thinking of packing my suitcase and leaving, never coming back. And I wasn't quite sure how to answer that. I know childlessness, sorry, being child-free, affects families in different ways, and you have to be understanding. With the pandemic, of course, all the events and catering, everything shut down. And to keep myself afloat, I picked up some cleaning gigs. I put the word around and Brian reached out and soon enough I was there twice a week cleaning their beautiful big home. Brian was definitely one of the most well-connected men I knew and I meant to do a great job and cultivate business for after this pesky pandemic was over. It wasn't easy though. Tasha had very high standards and she would come and stand there watch me critically as I was mopping the floor or dusting their precious knickknacks and elaborate flower and candle arrangements and then silently point to a spot I missed. I vacuumed and dusted away, never knowing when Tasha would be standing silently at the door. Her arms folded across her shapely chest, bright blonde hair cascading down her shoulders, ready to point out an extra task or something I'd miss. I was not to go up to the third floor, said Tasha on my first day. Fine. I'm not dying for a whole extra floor to clean anyway, I thought in response. I nodded and smiled. That is private, she added staring at me intensely with her steely blue eyes. I nodded again, wanting to get away from her. I felt creeped out, but I put it down to some internalized xenophobia. Of course, human nature being what it is, next time I was there, I was itching to go up to the third floor. In fact, I was staring at the heavy bolted door at the stairwell on the second floor, when Tasha appeared as if out of nowhere. Are you finished here? She asked, startling me. Faster each time, yes? You didn't do fridge. I started to follow Tasha obediently to the kitchen. 
As I turned away, I heard scuffling noises from behind the heavy door. Then a low whisper. Mommy? My heart skipped a beat. The whisper became silently stronger. Can I come out and play, please, Mommy? I'll be very quiet. I looked at Tasha receding back. Um, Tasha, I called, my voice quaking. Tasha turned around and snapped. You step away from the door, now! Her face looked demonic, and I trotted after her, too frozen for any other response. We walked to the kitchen in silence. There were lots of little yogurt cups and cheese strings inside the fridge. The wrapping was decorated with bright animals. Tasha remained, watching me from the kitchen door. I was sweating with the effort of reaching and wiping down the back of the giant fridge, which could comfortably accommodate three bodies. She walked up closer. I could smell her perfume and I flinched. Her eyes flicked over the fridge. A large crash from upstairs somewhere startled both of us. Tasha mutters something in her mother tongue, grabs a handful of kids' snacks, and without saying a word, marches off. I let out the breath I had been holding since coming into the kitchen. I paused for rest, and some papers on the corner caught my eye. It was an article about genetic defects and mental disorders in children. Brian walked in. He saw me handling the papers. Although I made a pretense of straightening them out, he snatched them out of my hand and then apologized. Sorry, it's just... It gets harder every day, you know? I thought he was referring to the pandemic, and nodded, sympathetically. I know, Brian. It will ease up soon. It must. No, it gets worse as they grow older and stronger. He left the kitchen, and I left soon after without seeing either of them. Next time, the place seemed more untidy. There was a stuffed bear under the couch. I pulled it out and stared at the scruffy old thing. So out of place in this elegant living room. Tasha appeared. Oh, thank goodness you found it, she cried. I was looking for it everywhere. He was going crazy. She ran out of the room, but not before I noticed the bruises on her braceleted wrist. I wasn't sure what to do, so I just kept on cleaning. Keeping my head low, reminding myself of the short-term cash as well as the long-term prospect of being in their good graces. I finished the downstairs area and went upstairs, making sure not to look towards the heavy bolted door to the third floor. Tasha was nowhere in sight. I saw Brian as I entered one of the rooms. He was sitting on the bed, holding his head in his hands. Should I come back later? I asked gently. No, it just shameful, you know, he muttered. He looked up at me, his eyes full of pain. You know us. You know my family, don't you? There's never been anything like this among us, has there? I shake my head dumbly. I don't know what to say. He left the room. He had left his iPad on the bed, and I noticed the screen before it goes dark. Health and genetics. Something about defective children. I decided to leave straight away and never come back. My heart was racing too fast. No cleaning gig was worth this. I slipped away, unseen. That evening, I was scrolling through my newsfeed while my mind leapt around, wondering what to do. Should I call someone? But who? And say what? Suddenly, a local tweet pops up. Flames spotted at Windsor and Young. That's where Brian and Tasha live. Without knowing why, I rushed out and drove over. I got there the same time that the fire engines did, but as they were too late, the flames were consuming the beautiful mansion. Brian is standing on the front lawn by himself. Brian, I called. He turns around, smiling cheerfully, his face lit darkly by the flames. I had to do it. Both of them. She brought it to this world. It wasn't from me or my side. 
I back away slowly, jump into my car and drive away. Tasha and a child perish in the house fire, and I live with the guilt to this day. That's so scary. Call the police, man. Yeah. Call the cops. Murderer. Psycho. Jeez, that poor kid. Obviously, I'm guessing that kid had some, you know, some mental issues or something. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I was actually picturing, I believe it's Batman Returns with Danny DeVito as the penguin. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that movie? Yeah, of and course. And at the beginning, his parents were so disgusted by his disfigurement that they threw him in the river. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I was thinking. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just hidden behind some bolted doors, so. Yeah. See, I was thinking of The Boy. Have you seen that movie? I have not seen that. And Brahms. He's mm-hmm. the... Okay, so he's like this adult, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking, well, what if it's actually an adult that has these issues going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, scary. Yeah, and, it is. And uh, creepy. Yeah. Okay, you ready for story number two? I'm so ready. Let's do it. Okay. This story is by Reddit user HTX underscore doll. It is titled, Warning, Avoid Gas Stations at Night. I mean, that's just common sense. Well, I need gas. Not that bad. But then my car will die, and I'm stranded in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) True. Okay. (laughs) It was a Thursday night. I just returned from a long shift at Popeye's. Being a college student with tremendous tuition bills, any extra money would help. I was on my way home from work when I decided to enter into a gas station to pick up some junk food. As I pulled into a parking space in front of the store, I saw something so terrifying it would haunt me forever. There was a tall lady crouched by the dumpster, her body bent in an unnatural angle. Her black hair covered her whole face. I looked over into the parking lot of the gas station as well as inside to see if anyone else was seeing this horrendous sight. The store clerk had headphones on, looking at her phone. I knew that there was no way she noticed due to the dumpster being on the side of the store. I only saw a man at the gas pump focusing on just filling up his truck, which left me and him being the only people outside the gas station at the time. I glanced over to the dumpster and noticed that the lady was no longer there. Being paralyzed with fear, I decided to glance back at the man at the pump. I then saw the tall lady crouched in the exact unnatural position on top of the man's trunk bed. Alarm bells rang through my head and I felt the courage to unlock my door and warn the man of the terrifying lady creature. I quickly jumped out the car and screamed. The tall lady growled an animalistic sound. She then began to grab the man as I noticed her then hands began to transform into a wing resembling a bat. The man began to scream as his eyes were sucked out by the creature. This thing that took form of a lady turned into what I could only describe as a siren. All I could do was scream for help. I didn't know what else to do. I heard bells chime as the door from the store opened and the clerk ran outside. I guess she must have heard me scream because she looked right in my direction. I saw the creature still devouring the man. I was afraid to make any more sound because I didn't want to draw any attention for the creature to notice me or the clerk. That was when the clerk screamed and I ran to her. The creature began to speak in a terrifying, unaudible voice. The clerk and I booked it inside the store. The clerk turned to lock the door, and I saw her frantically run behind the counter and press this button, which I believe to be a panic button. She then cried and alerted me the cops are on their way. 
The creature then began to fly its wings, which once resembled a lady, now looked like um, mosquito legs and a large upper body. I don't even know how to describe it. It was just nasty and ugly. Sirens were heard from a long distance, and the creature flew to the sound. The clerk then ran to the back of the store, saying, I don't get paid enough for this. I'm out. (laughs) Police cars then swarmed the store, and guns were drawn, aiming at me. Get down now! I complied, and they ran into the store. An officer yanked me and handcuffed me. I fell due to the ordeal and hurt myself. I then woke up in a room where I saw a man who appeared to be a doctor, proceeded to tell me I passed out due to drugs and hallucination. I never used drugs in my life, which I knew was a lie. The man then winked at another person which later would be an agent who worked for the government. I was forced to sign papers agreeing that everything I saw and witnessed wasn't real. Guys, it's been 72 hours since I was discharged from the hospital. Since that night happened, I don't know what is real anymore, but I can attest that there is more in this world than what you know. Please stay safe. So, I knew not to go to gas stations at night. Now I definitely, definitely. won't go to gas stations at night. Definitely, yep. Uh, yep. That's why you carry. Keep a full arsenal in my truck. That's why I just don't go to gas stations at <laughs> night. <laughs> <laughs> what if they just attack anywhere at night? Not just gas stations. This is why I stay inside. You do stay inside a lot. I do. Yeah, and that's fine. Yeah. That's totally fine. Okay, those are my two uh, spooky stories. Hopefully they spooked you guys. They spooked me. Just reading them. Me too, yeah. What do you have for me today? All right, so I've got the story today. And similar to a previous episode like Fear Factory, it's a place where things happened and then my own story. Of this place where things happen. Ooh, personal events. Okay, I like All it. Right. And I know you know this place very well because we went there a lot growing up. Okay. It's Hobbs Hollow, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Hobbs Reservoir, all that stuff. Hobbs yeah. is what you need to know. Yep. Yeah. It is located in Leighton. Yes. So for anyone who doesn't know what this place is, it's just this beautiful nature trail. It's paved. It's like a four-mile walk in and out. Uh, Tons of trails all around it. There's a huge reservoir, forested area, lots of animals. It's beautiful. So I used to go there almost every weekend growing up. I'd like ride my penny board (laughs) through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. It's a great place. Um, And I never realized what actually happened there until much later. So one night I was on the trail And I had started later than usual, so it got dark super fast. And on my way out, I was in this forested section, and I saw headlights coming up the trail, which is really weird because it's just this hiking trail. Mm -hmm. And, like, you shouldn't see cars on this. It's not a road, you know? Yeah, it's just, it's a paved path that's probably four or five feet wide. Yeah, it's it's not not super wide. Yep. And, you know, it was just a car, but me being there in the dark in, like, the wooded section and just seeing these headlights out of nowhere, like, round the corner and then come up my way, it was really freaky. So, ever since then, I've just kind of had this weird feeling about this place and wanted to do some research. So, here's what I found. Okay. Cool. All right. So, apparently, Hobbs is supposed to be really haunted. It's like a teenager's hangout at night in the area. 
I didn't know that growing up. I just thought it was this beautiful walking trail. Yep, I've heard the stories. Yeah. So I'm assuming that was probably just teenagers going up to the reservoir. That's why they were driving on the trail at night. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. So our story starts in 1944. Um, as you know, Hobbs is located really close to Hill Air Force Base. And in 1943, they actually sent out a letter to the people working there saying, don't go swim in Hobbs. It's unfit for swimming, not safe. So in 1944... On the afternoon of August 6th, three friends from the base decided to go swimming there to cool off during the summer because it gets super hot, especially where we lived growing Mm -hmm. up. Yep. So I'm not sure exactly why or what happened, but it's assumed that they kind of were like, let's swim from one side to the other. Let's see who can get there the fastest. And William Opie was swimming across when he cried out in pain to his friends who had swam like far ahead of him he couldn't keep up and he was starting to lose all of his strength and his muscles were probably starting to cramp up so one of his friends swam back out to william they tried to carry him across the water but he was just too heavy so they let go and william sunk below the surface he just straight up went below the water and disappeared he never came back up and so there's just these two friends who watched their friend sink You know, they're standing on the shore and there's nothing they could do. Because the water there is, like, super dark. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember, but even standing on the bank, you can't really see into it. Right. Right. So it makes sense that he just kind of slid under and they couldn't see where he went. Right. So they alerted local authorities and a search party came to Hobbs. They had, like, nets, boats, drag lines, all that stuff just, like, poking around, seeing if they could find a body. Mm Because that's what they were looking for at this point. And they searched for three days and didn't find anything. So they actually turned to using dynamite. Okay. Yeah. They had 30 sticks of dynamite and threw them into the water, hoping that the explosions would set off some sort of reaction and, like, dislodge a body in case it got caught on some rocks on the bottom or something. Mm -hmm. And later that day, it seemingly worked because his body floated to the surface. So I thought that was crazy. I was like, who thinks of using dynamite to find a body? I've never heard of that. Interesting. Yeah. Did he say anything to his buddy? Like, I have a cramp, I have a cramp, or anything? In everything I read, I couldn't see, or I couldn't find anything about what he said, except that he was screaming in pain. Probably a cramp. So that's my guess. Yeah. It's like a Charlie horse or... Yeah. I mean, I've definitely had cramps in my stomach when I've been swimming. Alright, so then it sat dormant for a little while, but in 1959 to 1968, there were four more people who died at the reservoir, in the reservoir. Right. So the first was 16-year-old Joe Jr. He was attempting to swim with friends, but similarly to William, he just slipped under the water and no one could see him because the water's so dark, they didn't know where he went. And he sunk straight down, probably just due to muscle cramps and fatigue again. The other stories are just teenage boys who couldn't swim as far as they hoped Mm -hmm. and simply disappeared under the surface. It's the same story every time. The water's so dark, friends can't see where they went. They try to look for them, but they can't see anything. Yeah. And luckily, all the bodies have been recovered. But it's just so interesting to me that it's like... I don't know why people mistake how big this reservoir actually is. Mm -hmm. 
because I'm part of the trail, you can overlook and see it, and it's like, yeah, that's a big lake, you know? I don't know why people think they can swim from one side to the other, but they do. I'll have to go back because I'm trying to think, and I don't remember it being that big. Really? So, yeah. So that's good to know. Yeah, I mean, I think it is. Every rope swing that's ever put up is cut down so fast. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, they don't want people swimming yeah. there at all. So then this next story of Hobbs is the one that was, like, the most chilling to me. The one that just, like, doesn't Buckle make up. sense. So in 2004, an 11-year-old boy named Nathaniel took his puppy on a walk to Hobbs. And he had been gone for several hours, and his mom was expecting him back by a certain time. He didn't come back, so she called the cops. And they didn't have to search very long, because when they got to the reservoir, they saw the dog sitting on the bank next to a pair of boy's shoes. And the dog was looking into the water, and looking where the dog was looking, Nathaniel's corpse was floating there. Right. And so there, it's just like... Why did he go in the water? Why did he decide to go swimming on his own? Mm -hmm. uh, there's no swimming signs posted everywhere, all over the place, because so many people have died. They're like, yeah. just don't do it. So it's not really known why he decided to go in. Like, maybe his dog ran in, so he went in after him. Just couldn't swim. But either way, it's a terrible story. That's Good. super unfortunate. Like, oh, poor kid. Poor right? kids. Right. So many. Yeah. So now it makes sense why this place is seemingly haunted. Um, yeah. In doing more research, there's a bunch of YouTube videos about it. People going ghost hunting there. Oh, okay. Yeah, they swear they can hear like the kids calling for help from the water. And once you get there, there's no one there. Yeah. Yeah, or like splashes from a rope swing that doesn't Fun. exist. Uh huh. It's pretty creepy at night. I suggest we go there. <laughs> I want to go there now. Yeah. Did so. you ever go to the house? The abandoned house. That's my next story. Okay. <laughs> I have this very particular memory about Hobbs that like still freaks me out. But back in high school, this girl I knew kept telling me about this house and she called it Satan's house. Okay. Yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. And I'd be like, well, where is it? I need to go. This is totally my vibe. And she'd be like, well, I can't remember. I don't know if she was like gatekeeping it or what, but... Mm -hmm. I searched for forever for this house. She said it was off of Antelope Drive, close to Hobbs. And so I was like, okay, there's only so much over there. Mm -hmm. But I could never find it until like a few years previous we found it. My fiance and I were driving around Hobbs area and we happened upon a dirt road. Now, you know him well and you know that anytime he sees a dirt road, he kind of freaks out and is like, let's go. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. this whole thing is off-roading, so of course we went down that road. Nice. And at the end of it, between the trees, we could see this half pipe for skateboarding made mm. out of plywood. And then right behind it was this house. And this house is like really, really oddly shaped. It was just like a weird looking place. Mm -hmm. So getting closer, I realized that this was probably the house. Like, the one that I had been looking for for so long. Because all the windows were busted. There's graffiti all over it. And so we parked and we tried the door to go inside. And the door wasn't working. So we shimmied through an open window. <laughs> nice. I know. Not smart. But what can you do? Yeah. Uh, so the layout's really weird. You go through the window and then you hit this living room area. And in this living room, there's a spiral staircase to the top floor. 
It's like this white metal spiral staircase. And the ceiling was covered in mirrors. Like every available inch was just plastered with mirrors. To to get a better idea of it, this, this house was stuck in the 70s. Yeah. There was, um, if I remember right, there was like shag carpet on the wall. Like you said, mirrors on the ceiling. But there was like pieces of mirror everywhere from people just like going in and throwing, throwing stuff, stuff and breaking in and yeah the, the weird spiral staircase that was very classic yeah yeah this house was definitely stuck in the 70s for sure for sure yeah and there was something so unsettling about it because after i went up the staircase into the second floor i realized that there isn't a single doorway in that house except for the entrance and the exit like, it's a completely open layout. There's no, like, bedrooms even. No separating walls, nothing. So that was weird. Because right. I'm like, this house is quite large. You would think that they'd want a bedroom. Or even, like, a room for the bathroom. But there was nothing. Mm-hmm. And so, I went back down. Walked down the stairs and explored the kitchen. And I remember seeing, like, cans of food. And this old microwave that had just been left behind. So it kind of looked like people had just, like, got up and left. And then off to the side of the kitchen, there was a staircase to go downstairs. So, of course, you know, it went down. You had to? I had to. And just, like, upstairs, there wasn't a single room, like, sectioned off. There wasn't any doors down there. It was just this open area. Yeah. And right smack dab in the middle was a giant pentagram painted on the wall. Wonderful. Uh Uh-huh. Great. Yeah, and there's like salt packets and candles and like dried flowers and food scraps and all that just all over the place. And so, yeah, we left soon after and, you know, it's just a pentagram. It freaked us out a little bit being in this abandoned house, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. seeing that we were just like, yeah, let's go. (laughs) Yeah. So we walked outside and explored the grounds and whoever owned it had left behind these two jet skis from the 90s yeah I remember do you remember that. those uh-huh. yeah, yeah they were like purple and pink and teal and white like mm-hmm. the awesome. perfect 90s details yeah and yeah sadly that house is torn down now yeah it doesn't exist I, I was gonna say i think it's there's new development in that area so yeah I imagine they're yeah they mowed it down so yep bummer it's not there anymore but Whoever gets that land will have a really good view of the reservoir yes. and the mountains. Yeah, you, you are high up on that property, so. Yeah. Um, I did go there one time, and I th- it was happenstance that we came upon it. We were Same with us. We didn't know where it was. See, you know, it's funny. If you asked me to take you there, I would have no idea how to get back there. I just, I have no idea. So, we were in my car, which was lowered, and so trying to take that into the Went to that bumpy road was not the best. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, same experience. We pulled up. Um, I think the door was gone at that point or something. We just walked right in. And, okay. But See, yeah. we couldn't get through the door. That's why we had to use the window. Oh, okay. Maybe someone was kind of keeping tabs on the property. like That's what I wondered. Locking it to a point. But yeah, yeah, yeah we snuck in just through the front door. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was very open the uh, staircase was like the creepiest part because it was in pieces it it wasn't 100% stable and so we I was able to like go upstairs and then when I got upstairs Skylar wanted to go up the stairs because I he was too nervous that I was gonna fall and I don't blame him I was dumb for going up but I mean I was dumb too I went up yeah um maybe it's a 
Johnson thing. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> the the upstairs had like a bunch of clothes in black garbage bags. Interesting. And then there was like little Caesar's pizza boxes and so it's like we were thinking, oh maybe, you know, some home poor homeless dude is crashing here for a bit or kids are just here partying, leaving mm-hmm. stuff behind. It was a very creepy place. Yeah. Yeah. Was the pentagram there when you were there? Uh, we did not go into the basement because okay. I believe this sta- it was something about not being able to go down there. So maybe like if there were stairs, they were gone or just whatever. But we were like, nah, that's not worth it. So we didn't go down. Interesting. Yeah, because we were able to go down super easy. Hmm. And it was just like this open basement, no doors, nothing. And bam, pentagram okay. right on the wall. Was it like a regular basement or like a cellar? It was like a regular basement, like so drywall, everything. So weird. Painted baseboards. Like you can tell someone had obviously yeah. had this as their house. Like they were right. living in all of it. But were you, were you able to find anything on this house online? No, I can't find anything. This house is a ghost. Now, if you want to go visit it, too bad. It's gone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we didn't take any. I remember we didn't take any pictures or anything, too. But. I do remember thinking, since it was my car, I was kind of freaking out. I was like, I was like, oh, we're trespassing. We got to hurry and get off this land. Like, and you I'm had not a loud gonna... car, too. It was loud. Yeah. And, and there's a cop. So th- on the road that turns into that dirt road, mm-hmm. there's one house that someone currently lives in, and it's a police officer. Sweet. And so when we saw that car, we were like, crap, we got to be super quiet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, spooky stuff. Spooky, spooky. Yeah, maybe one day we'll go to Hobbs, Hobbs Hollow and yeah. do an episode over there or something because it is freaky at night. It is. I learned my experience. I don't go there at night anymore. The scariest thing that ever happened to me there was there was a mountain lion in the area, and we didn't know. Oh, jeez. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's signs everywhere that mm-hmm. talk about what animals inhibit that area, and mountain lion's one of them. Yep. And, yeah. it's, and it's just this weird little spot thrown into the middle of this just, like, family neighborhood. Yeah. It doesn't make sense why it's there. Like, houses surround it, and it's just tiny. It's, it's like a big area, but also just kind of thrown in there. It, I don't know. I don't really know how to explain it, but it's, yeah, it's just kind of a strange place, so... But then once you start walking on the trail, you kind of forget that there are houses everywhere and there's a freeway close by. Right. Because you're just like in this thick, like forested area. Yeah. That's you totally right. forget that. That's right. You're in the middle of a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Highway 89 goes along one edge of it. Yeah. So it's like right off the freeway. 193 neighbors the other edge. Fun place. So if anyone from Utah has uh, been there, have any scary stories, comment on our YouTube video because I want to know. Yeah, I do too. Well, thanks for sharing. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. Yeah, thanks guys. We'll uh, we'll catch you uh, on the next episode. Stay spooky. All right, see ya.